This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Quarantine crazy. Let the madness continue. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro. Back with me once again in a land far, far away is Chris Sinzak. What's going on, man? Is a land far, far away a county away? It's about, you know, about maybe 30 miles, I guess, about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saving a lot on gas this way. I'll say that. <laughs> It's too bad because if you ventured outside the house, you'd find that gas is actually pretty cheap right now. Ain't oh that, yeah, I ain't think that I, the way it with, goes? Yeah, with my uh, with my fuel points at my grocery store, I, I think I paid like eighty five cents a gallon the other day. That's awesome. I know I did it. I thought, let me fill up my gas tank. I gave about as much money as I normally do and went out there and pumped the gas and it filled up too fast and I pumped it and pumped it and pumped it until it was almost dribbling down the side of my car. And then I looked at the pump and it was like a dollar fifty. I looked at the gas station and said, screw that. They can keep it. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going back in there. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Well, so we got, uh, we don't have too much to cover in the intro this week, do we? No, I see that. I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking, but I'm not seeing not a single new, not an iTunes review, not a Podchase review, not even a Facebook recommendation. I guess everybody's no. probably still a little hungover from listening to last week's episode. I know I am. <laughs> Oh man. I'm having a beer right now, just one, just to try to feel a little better. Yeah, that was uh that was a wild ride last week with Rock and Ron, <laughs> but uh but fun nonetheless. It I don't was, even uh, know what was... to say about it, but yeah, that was my favorite part was uh beat the geek. <laughs> that was not mine. <laughs> Well, we're going to do something we like to do around here from time to time, and that's talk about KISS. And we got a special guest with us, as we've been doing every week in the quarantine sessions. But before we get to all that, since we have no reviews to take care of, we got to pay tribute to the people that love us the most. And those are the people that get out and share and retweet every single episode, it seems like. These are our core group of people right here that love us more than anybody and in turn, we love them more than anybody. They are our Geeks of the Week. 
Uh, geeks of the week this week are Chuck, Chuck Noseworthy, Kristen Schimbeck, Nate Atchison, Mikhail Burrell, Joseph Capone, Rock and Ron Runyon, Decibel Geek TV, Simon Cat, Adam Cox, Aaron Baker, Jay Shabluski, Christopher Stokes, Andrew Jacobs, Bill Elam, Stephen Michael, Growing Up Rock Podcast, Eladio, David Cathy, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. That's right. Those are our people. And you mentioned Rock and Ron Runyon. Man, that was so much fun last week. He, I'm glad he talked us into drinking with him because uh, that was a blast. I needed that. Yeah, but next time uh, he comes on the show, I'm going to talk him out of drinking. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so uh, I think we're the only podcast that's had him on for this round of stuff. Sarcasm mode <laughs> off. Um, our, uh, our special guest this week, returning guest, Mr. Andrew Scambatti. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's weird. One of my really good friends is like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to catch up and listen to all the KISS podcasts this week and i'm like oh, i just want to apologize up front because i'm on them all and <laughs> probably saying almost the same thing throughout the entire ones uh but well, thank you for having me back and uh this is this is cool and, and just remember chris you were the first one that kind of started this whole craziness thing because when i was still doing the kiss my boots podcast on kiss bootlegs and i released the i video with jason mm-hmm. herden you were one of the first ones that reviewed that and that kind of exploded into into so many things uh eddie trunk picked it up nikki six picked it up and it was uh it was a big success so uh tip of my hat that i never wear to you uh but thank you so it's always good to come back here cool well i'll, I'll expect a check in the mail soon then <laughs> it's already in the mail don't worry about it i know your paypal oh, okay. so it's, yeah, good. What, it's, it's it's all of the uh the residuals that you're making off this great new movie you put out you right? are correct you are correct <laughs> i you know uh eight you know eight percent of zero is still zero so oh. Yeah. yeah, it's just like podcasting money. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so uh, you're prestige. back. You did you did the uh, the one last time, and and we'll get into the description of that. We're going to cover it real fast out of the gate. But uh, I am I am proud to say that you will not only you will not be saying the same thing on this episode as the other ones because we have a crap ton, and that's a scientific fact amount of listener submitted kiss questions so andrew yes. has such andrew has such an impact that he'll take our show which isn't a kiss show and turn it into a kiss show for a week imagine that imagine that i never would have thought that people would want to have me on their show let alone have me on more than once and then let me talk about kiss so it's a we the internet is a weird thing it really well, is well when you and you message me, you know, five times a week and say, "Have me on your show." I kind of have to eventually let. Was you it know. five times a week? <laughs> no, not okay. It was seven. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I give. Nobody can explain this movie better than you. So go ahead and give us a quick uh, summation of what this movie is. You know, we we here in the U.S. and in Europe and in a lot of places in the world were lucky enough to see the end of the road tour. But if you missed out on the end of the road tour. And you wanted to know what it was like to see a show, what it was like to go backstage, what it was like to sit front row at a KISS show. This is your all-access pass. This is your front row ticket. You're going to hear the story from KISS themselves. You're going to see them on the end of the road tour. And I'm your captain. I'm taking you on this journey. So you're going to hear my history as well as how this KISS tour unfolded from its inception all the way to what the proposed last show was at the time, which we all think it's probably changed now. So if you if you love KISS and if KISS had an impact on your life and you want to know what this great end of the road tour was, one last time is for you. You can see it for free anytime on YouTube and Vimeo. It's streaming now. 
And right before we logged on, we just passed 15,000 views. That's 15,000 in just over 24 hours. So it's been an awesome response, and uh, it's been unanimously positive on everybody's uh, comments. So it's good. Yeah, it's really cool. I started watching it today. I haven't got a chance to finish it yet. I'm about maybe a quarter of the way into it, and it is super cool already. You know, it's it's the modern kiss. It's the the era of today. You know, it's the end of the road, so it encompasses all that. But even if you're a Kiss fan, a diehard from the old school, you got to appreciate this because this is the end of Kiss. And man, so far I'm loving it. It's really awesome. Yeah, I um, I've I've watched it a couple of times now, and I will say, you know, and Aaron and I are not like the we're not. I mean, we we still support Kiss. You know, we're still not the craziest about the makeup and everything. And I've got my thoughts on Paul's voice, as we have all heard a million times, yeah. but. At the same time, it is a great document of the st- the show, and like we went to the show, and I I will still say, you know, dollar for dollar, it's still one of the biggest, coolest productions you'll ever see. And this video captures a lot of that, where you get you actually get a really good view of of the entire stage show, all the special effects. Yeah. But on top of that, even if you don't support the current lineup, there's a lot in this movie for you. Like there's. There's a lot of stuff that harkens back to the early days. It, this kind of goes through the whole history of the band to a point where you've got Coventry footage on here. You've got you know them talking about playing at the Academy of Music. Um, the story about Gene throwing the flash paper and burning the guy's face that was hilarious. And then, um, um, but like it goes through a lot of the history of the band. So even if you're not a big supporter of what they're doing now, it's and it's still well done. And also, I'd like to say, and I am going to write up a proper review of this to kind of have this come out in a written review on top of when we put this episode out. Gene and Paul need to; they should hire you, or they no they need to at least get the message that. This is the kind of stuff the diehards have been waiting for. Yes. And, you know, what you did, I mean, a lot of the stuff you pulled were like news clips and stuff and interview clips. And and just the production techniques that you use makes it like it's a fun ride to sit there and watch it because you've got it bouncing back from interview clips to live footage and stuff. It reminded me a lot of The Second Coming. And I think maybe that's kind of what you were going for in a way. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do something that wasn't just a live concert. I wanted to do something that was your scrapbook for the tour. We you know we all go to see these concerts and we're going to buy the tour book, but I wanted to give something that you could something that you can take away from the concert and say, "Well, this is what I remember about the show." The biggest inspiration for this was the Iron Maiden Flight Six 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 movie because I watched that and I was like, "Man, wouldn't it be cool if Kiss did this?" Wait, it'd be cool if I did this. And then what's great about the Iron Maiden Flight 666 movie is you get a bonus concert with that movie. So I did the same thing. I took what they did for their 2008 tour that Bruce Dickinson flew the plane all around the world. And I just made it about Kiss. I made it about my adventures with Kiss on the end of the road tour. So what could be cooler? You get to see things that a lot of fans maybe didn't get a chance to see. And then you said it yourself. You get to see a lot of archival footage, too. My absolute favorite part is when Tommy Thayer is talking about how he got involved in the band. And there's this great rehearsal footage from 1995 when Kiss was doing the MTV Unplugged show. And they're making fun of the way Tommy walks. And then Tommy kind of peeks in. He's like, you guys making fun of me again? It just lets you know how Tommy's been around a long time. And he's got a great relationship with the guys in the band. And uh, it, it's all good. It, it's really all good when it comes to, to Tommy and, uh, and even Eric. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I've I've just enjoyed watching it, and I said if I can see the Iron Maiden movie, it does remind me of that a lot. And um, the only thing I guess, can I give you a couple of critiques? Absolutely. Okay, so. I would like to have seen a little more of your story because you kind of that's, so, that's so funny because somebody else said that too, and yeah. and my thing was I wanted to give less of my story because I didn't want to seem too egotistical or conceited and have me make a movie about me. I wanted to definitely have my story in there, but I didn't. I wanted Kiss to still be the focus point. So it's interesting that you say that, and somebody else said that to me too. And I was like, man, I was trying to play down my story because I thought people wanted to see Kiss more than they wanted to see, you know, some schlub. Well, I think it also kind of it helps make it relatable to the Kiss fan. So it's and you've got an interesting story about how you got into the band and everything, and. Um, and that's another thing like our – pardon me for plugging another friend's project, but um, Joe Polo from Podcast Rock City does – he does these – you know, a thing called Makeup of an Army where it's basically just yeah. all interviews with KISS fans. But I like the, the relatability of, of hearing from other fans, so I, I like that. We did get some cool footage of you rocking out in a diaper on some purple shag carpet. That was cool. <laughs> I saw that. That, uh, that, was, <laughs> that was great. Uh, there's There was a clip that – I don't know if it exists anymore or, or I don't know what tape it's on, but there was a a clip of me that I remember having for many years where I was literally acting out every part of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park myself. So like I was so I was I I wanted to put that in there so bad but I couldn't find it. So I did I did get some good footage of me as a kid. It just let you know how far back that this band had an impact on my life. So I wanted to show that and I wanted to kind of show you know, footage of me with Gene and footage of me at shows. And a lot of the stuff is, is you know, ne- obviously it's never been seen before, but a lot of the stuff was a really good uh, temperature gauge as far as how cool it's been to archive that stuff and how cool it's been to go back and relive those things that you wish you could have seen. What's the biggest thing that I notice, and I, I watch a lot of a lot of concert footage, you go and watch those reunion tour shows, and even though it doesn't seem like 20-plus years ago it is, you watch that, and there's no one sitting there with on their cell phone. It's just people just enjoying the band. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost have wished that at that time I would have been there with a little camera, and I wish I would have been able to capture more stuff. So it's cool to have what I have now because now all the footage is – everything is captured. I mean anything happens, you could – You'd see it on YouTube the next day. It just wasn't like that back then. So it was cool for me to go back and show a little bit of that footage that I was able to save a little bit of stuff over these uh, these times in my life. Awesome. Right on. That's really cool. I'm glad you keep bringing it, man, because you're really good at what you do. And, yeah, you know, we've said it last time you were here. We've said it a million times. This guy needs to be working for Kiss. You know, if you, if Kiss is a band really cares more about the fans than they do a buck, then get this guy to help you give the fans exactly what they want because, Andrew, you've been delivering every single time. I work for cheap too. So, no, um, <laughs> at the, my whole purpose behind this was to get Kiss's attention. And yesterday when I released it, I did tag all the Kiss members on my Instagram post, something I've never done before. Yeah. So I hope it gets to them. But hey, if you know someone that that you just if you know someone that's close to Kiss or whatever, just send it to them. Or if you want to send it to somebody, just I I've done my part, and it's just up to everyone else to to do it too. If they see it enough times, they'll be like, "All right, fine, we'll watch it," or maybe we'll give this kid a shot. So who knows? 
Yeah, and I, you know, as we get to, and we'll go over some of this in the listener questions because it comes up, but like once we get to the actual end of the band being an active entity, I'm hoping more of these types of projects are going to be coming down the pipeline because this is, they've, they've got to be sitting on a lot of cool stuff and it's like they've, they're the ones who could really put it together and they need people like you because like when they put out um, Second Coming, they had Tommy working on it. And Tommy's a fan of the band, even though he's in the band now. But he was he was coming from a pure place with it. And also the Kistory book came from people working on it that were fans. So the best products they've ever put out have been things where the fans had a direct involvement. And that's why I think you would be you'd be a great person to work for them. The fans know what the fans want. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And they have the passion because it's it's important to them. Yeah, it's so important we're gonna, to us. That's why we dedicate whole entire shows like today to the hottest band in the land. Yeah, and we're gonna we're actually gonna forego beat the geek this week because we have so many kiss kiss related Kissner listener Kissner listener questions. <laughs> Kissner questions. That's yeah. what we're gonna do. That's what that's what we're gonna call this. I like yeah, that listener. So, Aaron, you want to just get into these? Yeah, we've got a ton of them, and uh, I guess we'll just start at the top like we do every time. With the Instagram. So the first question on Instagram comes to us from Rano Reb, and they want to know, many have discussed favorite lead guitar player, but rate the best singers of all KISS members. Plus, we don't want to hear Chris rate Vinny as the best guitar player. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Best singers in KISS. I've always been a big fan of Peter Chris's vocals, and his, his vocals were kind of one of the first things that really drew me to the band when I when, once I got my copy of Alive, you know, having uh, Black Diamond. Black Diamond became my favorite Kiss song pretty early on. So uh, I've always loved his voice. So I guess I would say Peter would be at the top and then uh, and then Paul close behind. Hmm. I think I'd do the opposite of that. I'd go Paul first. You know, of course, we're counting the whole career, not today. Um, you got to go number one with Paul. I mean, listen to that stuff he was singing in the '80s, especially you know when in the non-makeup era he had, and still to this day, if you rank them all of all time, you got to put Paul Stanley's voice right up there with some of the greats like Robert Plant or Steve Marriott or any of them, any of the great singers. You got to put Paul Stanley right up there, well, number one. I guess he, I guess he's asking for best, not favorite, and I was kind of going on favorite. So oh, okay. Singing ability, yeah, you got to go with oh, Paul. Otherwise, about, it's favorite. About, it's Ace Fraley. If it's best, he's probably down at the bottom. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? It's it's going to be Paul Stanley. I mean, you listen to what they did in the '80s, and he was really singing in the stratosphere. But even you listen to what he was doing in '96, and he did Phantom of the Opera '98, '99. It's hands down to Paul Stanley. Not to take anything away from Gene Simmons because in his own way, you know, he ain't singing the hitting the crazy high notes and stuff. In his own unique way, Gene Simmons is an awesome singer too. Yeah, he's and I think he's doing great vocals even up to current day. Ace was good for what he did. Peter, I mean, you, Chris, you nailed it. Peter Chris is an awesome vocalist. You know, I always compared him to like uh, Bob Seger kind of style of oh, singer, yeah. you know, with a lot more soul, I thought. And uh, the rest of the guys down the line, I mean, Eric Carr was a good singer. Vinnie Vincent was a good singer. Bruce, he can sing. Uh, I, I love Bruce, but I don't know about him being a great singer. Who's a better singer, Tommy Thayer or Bruce Kulick? Oh, Tommy Tom- Thayer. Tommy's yeah. an actually a really good singer. Yeah, Tommy's a great <laughs> singer. And Eric Singer is a decent yeah, singer. He's a great singer. I like yeah, him, too. 
He's so a singer. Kiss is one of those bands that everybody's got their place and everybody's got their voice. And so in their own way, they're all awesome. And they're all my favorites. But Mark St. John would be my least favorite. Have you ever heard Mark St. John sing anything? No, I'm just being a smart ass. I got a question. Now, this is out of turn because I actually have a real Kiss question that you guys might be able to answer. I had a weird Kiss bootleg at one time that had a song on it called Suicide that claimed to be a Mark St. John demo with his vocal on it. Have you guys ever heard of that? No. No, no I've never heard of that one. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, thanks a lot. You guys are a ton of help. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this name. Abdesija something. I want to know, do you think Eric Carr would have been replaced by Peter in 1996? And who would have been in the band now if Eric Singer was never in the band in the 90s and didn't want to return after Peter? Well, that's there's some confusion going on there. So I guess... Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I read that question. I was like, well, let me try and figure out what he's trying to ask. Um, just right off the bat, though, it, it didn't matter who was, was or wasn't in the band. In 1996, they had to have four original members in there for it to be a success. I know there was talks in the late 80s about them bringing back Ace with Eric Carr, but there there was never going to be a Kiss reunion in 1996 without the four original members. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't I don't see how it wouldn't have been as successful. I loved Eric Carr, but it had to be Peter. Yeah, the only way that would ever ever happen that way is if and this is all a bunch of what if this whole question is if it would have been some kind of deal where Peter Chris had passed away. Then the reunion would have happened with Eric Carr. If if it was reversed, like if Peter Chris passed away and Eric Carr never died, is how that would kind of have to work. I think the other part of his question is asking, like, if Eric Singer was never an option to replace, like, if they did the reunion with Peter and then after Peter left the band, like, who would be wearing the cat makeup now if Eric Singer wasn't an option? Wow, that's a good question. Cause so they're saying that both Peter Chris and Eric Carr are not an option to come back and right. Peter Chris has left. I think that's what he's asking. Yes. I would. I- I would nominate Andrew Scambatti. No, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, um, who would uh, probably um, man? Who's the who's the drummer for Alice Cooper right now? Glenn Sobel. Yeah, it would, would be him. It would be him, one hundred percent. Yeah, I can see. It. That's a good question. And once you figure it out, <laughs> all right. Let's move so, on to the Twitter. Then here's one from Eladio. Did any of you get a chance to go to the Kiss Coffee House in Myrtle Beach? Oh. One of us got to work there. Yeah. yeah, I've never been. Yeah, I used to work there, and I, to my understanding, I'm the only Kiss fan that's ever worked there. And uh, it was great, man. I mean, when we would close shop up, I would try on the costumes, and it was a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> For real? For real. Nice. That's awesome. So you're the only Kiss fan working in the Kiss coffee house? Only. The people that worked there hated Kiss. Hated Kiss. But it was just a good-paying job at... Uh, location that was pretty busy in the summer. Wow. Oh, wow. Somebody did like that. Sh- that should be a question in the interview process. Yeah, yeah, we understand you know a little something about coffee, but tell me, what do you know about Kiss? <laughs> you got to know your stuff if you're going to work here. They just want to hire a bunch of podcasters to work at the 
we're going to relocate Ken Mills and, you know, on down the line and, and all the KISS uh, podcasters, we're going to move them to Myrtle Beach. And then when people come in here, they get the whole experience. Yeah, right. You have to wait an hour to get your coffee because they're finishing an episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never got to go, but um, actually the summer before it closed, my wife and I were trying to plan a trip to Myrtle Beach. And, of course, I suggest Myrtle Beach because I wanted to go there. But, uh, but no, I didn't get to go to it. Andrew, did you move to Myrtle Beach to work at the Kiss Coffee House? So there was – do you guys ever hear that, that band that sounded like Kiss that released an album called 1977 Rock and Roll? Yeah, the guy from Clown, No, no, it wasn't the guy from Clown. That was me. Was. No, that was me and Yayo from Kiss Army. Oh, okay. So I moved down there to start that, and I just happened to work at the Kiss Coffee House. So that's how that happened. So if, if that clown guy is saying it's him, it's 100% not. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying he is. I'm just, I'm just, for, I'm probably misremembering. But, uh, but yeah, that that was me and Yayo. And if you listen to the song "Back in the Groove," that's me on vocals. So, um, but yeah, I moved down there for that, and I just, it just made sense to get a job at the Kiss Coffee House, and I did. Did you wear a Kiss T-shirt to your interview? Of course I did. Nice. <laughs> I still have a stack of the coffee house shirts in one of my one of my crates in, oh, cool. in my storage closet because I used to just have just I would wear Kiss coffee house shirts every day because I would be there almost every day and that's what I did. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that they've done outside of music that I wish had taken off further because I I think that would have been cool to see those all pop up all over the country. Well, you know, it was a franchise. The guy that um, the original owner, his name was Brian Galvin. He does a, those Pink Berry stores now. Mm-hmm. He he had it and he sold it be, just because it wasn't. Here's the thing: you're you're going up against Starbucks, which is the biggest coffee mecca probably in the world. And although it was in a great location that had a lot of foot traffic, once the Starbucks went up near there, there was no way that that company or any company was going to compete. So he got out at the right time, and then the uh, the second owner, whom I didn't know and didn't work for, I think he did okay for a couple years and then had to get rid of it. Yeah, I suppose if you want rock and roll, you go to Kiss. If you want coffee, you go to Starbucks. That's very true. All right. That's awesome, man. That's cool that you worked at the Kiss Coffee House. I did not know that. Sir. I respect you even more now. <laughs> it's so funny. I have a really, I'm really sensitive to, to dairy. So, like, I'd be making some of these things. I'd be, like, gagging because I'd be smelling the whole milk. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it was rough. <laughs> All right, here's another one off the Twitter. It comes to us from Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. And he wants to know, or he says, there was a time when Ace played his full 78 solo album live. He said it would be released. Any news on that? Also, what is the most controversial thing Kiss has ever done or worst decision they've made as a band? You know about this Ace Frehley live album? They, I know they were talking about doing it, and you know we know the guys in his band, and they were want they were all. I thought they were gonna, they were supposed to, they were doing gonna do a show in St. Charles, Illinois, and I think they had like outfitted the theater to to record it and everything, um, but it for some reason it didn't happen. I don't know what I, exactly happened. I always think it's funny because I'm part, like you guys, I'm part of, or maybe unlike you guys, but I'm part of a lot of different Kiss groups and. You see these just these unofficial fan groups that you know are sharing experiences and sharing things. People always ask in the groups, "Hey, when's this happening?" Well, this is not the band. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we don't know. So therefore, <laughs> why are you asking in this group? Well, we break news all the time. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of figure if you're going to ask, that's the place to go ask. Somebody probably should know that. 
Probably, but I, I will tell you this: if there are people there in the know, because there has there have been stuff that I knew way before it was going to happen. And if you are in the know, you probably have some certain rule or something that you can't be sharing things like that, especially on the internet. You know, Kiss sees <laughs> everything; they really do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the Illuminati. Yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> Uh, what's the worst decision Kiss has ever made, guys? Controversy elder. with a K. I would I would agree with the elder until about two years ago, and I'll just say the I'll just say the word Memorax. That's my my opinion on that one. Yikes! Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. There's a lot of little ones over the years. I guess the one that stands out to me is uh, Tommy and Eric and Ace and Peter's makeup. We could have a whole another show just on that. Yeah. Point. Kiss haps. Oh, man. All right. Let's go to the next question. All right. Ladio wants to know what show or Kiss related event you wish video footage existed? Uh, the New Orleans Creatures of the Night footage. And Andrew's going to tell me that it actually exists. Right, Andrew? It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Damn. I had to try. It doesn't. Uh, what Kiss related event footage is um, probably one of those dynasty shows where they say Peter Chris either walked off stage or did something to stop a song. Yeah, Shreveport. Yeah, that'd be pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Madison, Wisconsin on the Revenge Tour because I've heard, I've seen a collector that has like almost every single show that Kiss has ever done live in audio form. But when I looked through his whole list, I looked for my first Kiss show, which was Madison, Wisconsin, the Revenge Tour. Nothing. Yeah. So I wish there was something like that. I mean, there's shows before it and shows after it, but for some reason, nothing for it. Do you remember yeah, the date? Do you remember the date of it? Not offhand. You saw him like a week or two before me, so I think it was like late October '92 mm, was when it you seems saw him. like it would have been colder than that. Well, I saw him in November in Nashville, and there's an mm. audio of that. If you want to, it's yeah. lo- I would say it's loosely audio because it sounds awful. So this was. Um, on the spot research. Nice. Oh, excuse me. November thirtieth, December second, the yeah. Expo Center Coliseum, Madison, Wisconsin. It and I got a newspaper cold. ad from it. Great White and Trickster. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so December second, nineteen ninety two. No audio. I have the audio of my first Kiss show. It was Nashville Hot in the Shade tour, and it's unlistenable because the person that was taping was right next to this redneck girl who wouldn't shut the fuck up the entire show. When I was editing, you know, I was editing one last time, which is available on YouTube and Vimeo right now for you guys to watch. If you, right, listen, to, if you listen to uh, Rock and Roll Night, you hear a guy in like the most thick, the thickest New York accent I've ever heard in my life. He's like, look, look, he's going to break the guitar. Break the guitar. <laughs> I remember seeing that. That's I was cool, like, though. Oh. I was like, how can I get rid of this? And I couldn't get rid of it, but I really wanted to. No, I thought it added to it. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. part of it. It was awful. <laughs> Uh, first kiss song that comes to your mind right now and why? Uh, Black Diamond. Well, Black Diamond. Uh, I'm going to say rip it out just because I look up and there's the Ace Frehley solo album hanging on the wall. In case you haven't figured it out, Aaron likes Ace Frehley quite a bit. Ace Frehley, is, Ace Frehley in the 70s was great. Shoot, yeah. All right, let's move on to Facebook. We've got, like Chris said, a crap ton with a K of questions <laughs> from Facebook. First one comes to us from Anthony Poole. 
It always slightly bothered me that despite numerous restarts and long actual recording of Kiss Unplugged, that sure know something was one take and Paul singing the same lyric twice. Feel the pain. I love the unplugged version, but it can't be perfection now. Just slightly short. <laughs> this this shows the anal this is the anal retentiveness of uh, of Kiss fans. And you're right; it's not a question. Not it's a statement. <laughs> it Next. sure is. That's cool, though. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Nayrand Kavura. What if Kiss was never able to perform again due to COVID nineteen? How do you think their legacy will unfold? Uh, somebody else asked later. Have we seen the last Kiss show? I don't know, Andrew. Do you think they're you think they're done, or you think they'll come back? I have on good authority that they will be back as long as people are allowed to start performing again. So, uh, but who knows? I mean, this is too uncertain. I don't like to go down this this COVID nineteen rap you know this COVID nineteen rabbit hole. So, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think they'll be back once it all calms down. Hopefully, it all calms down. Who knows? You know, your yeah. guess is as good as mine. All right, here's one from our friend Pontus Wittenmark. He says, not so much question, but here's an antidote to those who it may concern. In Swedish, kiss means piss. So when we Swedish kids heard about a scary new band called Piss, we thought the name alone was the coolest thing on the planet. There is actually a pretty famous Swedish kiss cover band called Bays, I think. I'm not Swedish. Um, with Bayes meaning shit. And also Pontus says, keep up the good work. I actually looked that up because I was like, wow, you know, it's weird how different things mean, you know, different things in different places. And it is true. Kiss in Sweden actually means piss. Wow. <laughs> I should have saved that, that for Kiss trivia someday. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten that one. I'll say that. All right, here's one from Ian Wadley from the Displacia of Hippica podcast. <laughs> District of Columbia. Oh, okay. I um, mean, um, he wants to know how does Paul decide which pre-recorded vocal to use for each song? Can we vote on it? And where is Tommy Thayer? I ordered that pizza like two hours ago. <laughs> no Andrew? comment. No comment. I told you our listeners are going to have uncomfortable questions. No comment. First off, no, you know, I'm not going to say nothing. No comment. (laughs) Well, Ian, um, Tommy's trying to be like Ace, so he's running late with the pizza. All right, we'll just move on from that. Nick Rose (laughs) wants to know, of all the merchandise they've put out, why did Kiss not market their own brand of cold gin? That one seems like a dead giveaway. Or like Mr. Speedstick deodorant, plaster caster at home kit, etc. I'll tell you you about the deodorant because, you know, you guys have been to Kiss conventions and so have I. And, um, (laughs) you know, it's funny. People are going to be buying $1,000 worth of Kiss stuff and then... You know, oh my God, I bought the platinum ticket for this and I'm going to meet this guy and it was $75 and I bought this and it doesn't matter. Not a stick of deodorant in sight. Yeah. Not a stick of deodorant. So even if Kiss marked a deodorant, they still wouldn't buy it because they'd be like, oh, I can't use it. It's going to be worth money. Yeah. And they did. The Kiss Cologne had deodorant and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a good tip to everybody. You can like Kiss and deodorant at the same time. You can. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the cold gin thing is an interesting question, though, because you th- that that would be a money maker, I would think. But yeah. has Kiss ever done any kind of alcohol? Yeah, they've they, done wine and beer, I think. Oh, okay. Right? Yes. 
Yeah, then cold. But gin just remember, seems like given. all those things are licensing deals. So if someone just licenses the logo or does that, they That's pay their true. upfront whatever, and then they do whatever they want. But they were all limited runs. I mean, that that wine stuff was popular in 96 97 because that's what the spencer's crowd was buying so it wasn't kiss marketing night it was just the licensee was like oh we're gonna do this and they just didn't say no and blaster caster home kit what about that huh wow you sure got a lot of penis statues in your house yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i'm not i'm not touching that sure do same Uh, Todd Rogers wants to know, there was always a rumor about an Elder movie. How far did it get? Was a script ever written? Any thoughts? Any information? Well, there technically, there was two Elder movies that were rumored about. There was the one they were making the album as the soundtrack for in 1981, and then there was the Seb Hunter project that never really got off the ground past a trailer. Um, the Seb Hunter one, I, I think Kiss ended up like... Not suing him, but they sent us like a cease and desist to him, and then it shut it down. And the movie and you know the album bombed, so I think they were like, okay, no movie at this point. I don't know, Andrew. What do you know about this? Uh, just same thing as you know about that. And and I, if I could just add a comment, who makes a trailer before the movie's done? Why do you do that? To generate interest in investors, I'm assuming. Well, it's kind of the wrong way to do things, in my opinion. Well, in that um, same breath, who the hell makes a soundtrack for a movie that doesn't even exist? That too. <laughs> that too. You know, here's the thing. I mean, if you want to get money from people, what you do is you basically you're going to put people on the payroll um, as a negative. So you're going to say, okay, well, we're going to make this movie, and you know, if the movie can get X amount of dollars that we're going to get from investors, then we'll pay you X amount. So, and then after everything is filmed, then you release the trailer to say, Hey, this is what we've done. And we need, we need the money to, you know, release the movie, not the other way around. Yeah. Well, that's probably why it never got released. Probably. Well, that, and, and who the hell's going to watch a movie about the elder? Nobody. And it Kiss was like, film like it was the, it was filmed like it was going to be an episode of the Highlander. It was like, uh, I, there would be no way I'd watch that. You would so watch it. Oh no! No lie, we'd all watch it. No, I would. So what? What really was the idea with the elder? Was it you know we're going to create this and then hopefully some big movie company comes through and says we want to make a movie out of this? I mean, was now, that what Kiss was hoping you, for? Oh, you're talking about the the like the actual okay. album. They were they were trying to copy Pink Floyd with the walls. What it was? I mean, exactly. They, yeah, they because Ezrin produced the wall, and then Gene got in his head that oh, I can do that, and they were like, well, we'll just do the soundtrack, and then the album will sell boatloads, and then we'll make a movie out of it. And well, nobody gave a damn about the album, and they're yeah. like, well, we can't do a movie now. <laughs> they were they were going to do a trilogy, mm-hmm. like they I, and I know they released the title for the second one was going to be called War of the Gods, but oh wow, but but it never got past the idea stage as far as I know because the, the album just bombed. Wow, so if The Elder would have been really successful, there would have been more Elders and albums yeah. like that. Yeah, thank God people didn't buy it. Wow, how different <laughs> would life be? <laughs> None yeah. of us would like Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no Creatures of the Night. Think yeah, about that. Exactly. <laughs> All right, here's uh, one from Alexander Walker. He says, do you think Kiss would have been a better band had they kept Ed Cannon after the first show he performed? I don't know who Ed Cannon is. He's he the was guy. Peter's drum tech that filled in for Peter oh. in Columbus, Georgia in 97. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah, I guess I do um, know who Ed Cannon is then. T- 
to answer your question, no and hell no. Because, yeah, exactly. Because A, who cares about it canon? And B, I have the bootleg of that concert somewhere. And I mean, give, I'll give the guy, I'll cut the guy slack because, I mean, he got roped into that last minute. But no, I don't, I mean, even as pedestrian as Peter's playing was on that tour, Ed was worse. And, um, and I actually saw Peter the very next night in Nashville. That was my show on the reunion tour. And Peter played like he had something to prove. He actually kicked ass at that show. Oh, I but no, yeah, no, yeah, nobody. No, we didn't need to see the Ed Cannon era of Kiss. Agreed. Man, cool thing about being Ed Cannon is you can wake up every day and tell your grandkids the same story. <laughs> we know, Grandpa. We know. You got to be Peter Chris one night. <laughs> All right, Ron Jones. Let her rip. He wants to know, if Eric Carr had not passed away, would there have been a reunion tour? If so, would Eric have been a part of it? We talked about that didn't a we, little bit earlier. Yeah. There'd be didn't, some didn't have to be some serious circumstance for that to happen. Yeah, now nah, we've covered that one, I think. All right, our good friend BJ Kahuna from Rock and or Roll. Did Paul Stanley, psychotherapist turned manager, really flee the country with the profits from the Hot in the Shade tour? Yes, <laughs> he did. Um, it's one of the biggest black eyes in the band's history. And there's actually a, I think the, the, it was called like ID Discovery. It was a, one of those like high up cable channels did a whole special on them tracking down Jesse Hilson, who was Paul's therapist turned manager. And, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, it's a black eye in the band's history, but I don't, I don't look at Paul in a negative light for it. It's one of those things where he trusted the guy and the guy turned out to be a scumbag and, and he ran off with a bunch of money. He actually put his wife in the poor house and his kid in the poor. He's a horrible human being. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a really awful story. If you've looked into it, it's a conflict of interest with a K. Yeah. (laughs) You think Gene Simmons still gives him shit about that? Probably. Yeah, I have to think Gene said something about that. But, yeah, I mean, you're looking at a time when Gene was off making awful movies, too. Right, so. true. It was a confusing time in the band, for It sure. all balances out. Everybody was jacking up Kiss in those days. Uh, here's another one from Nayran wants to know, why hasn't Kiss produced official face masks yet? They Until, have. Yeah, I think so, too. I thought I saw something like that. Yeah, aren't, there, aren't the proceeds going to their people? Proceeds are going to their techs, yeah. Right on. That's awesome. So there you go. Get yourself a Kiss face mask and help out the Kiss crew that obviously aren't working right now because the end of the road is hit a big old speed bump. Here's one from Grayson Galagos. He wants to know, what is the worst Kiss album, and why did you pick Love Gun? I don't <laughs> I don't pick Love Gun. Love Gun? Are you fucking kidding me? There's um, some weird stuff on Love Gun, but it's far from the worst. No, I mean I gotta. I mean it's either the Elder or Psycho Circus for me. Psycho Circus is so well produced, though. So I mean the songs are better on Sonic Boom and Monster, but man, uh, Psycho Circus sounds so much better. Yeah, but I want to hear songs that are actually produced well. Yeah, but you got Journey of a Thousand Years, which is awesome. No, that's Dreaming. one of my yeah. Journey of a Thousand Years is one of my favorite Gene songs. So I'll oh, give it's it, a great I'll... song. The, the title track is good. Um, there's a lot of good in Psycho Circus. So I guess I would, yeah, maybe I'd go with The Elder. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to go with The Elder. But then again, on the scale of Kiss, even their worst album is better than most bands have ever put out. That's debatable. (laughs) 
Corey Nolan wants to know, in 1978, as a special bonus for buying all four solo albums at the same time, KISS makes a four-song tribute EP, celebrating their influences. Each original member sings a song by someone else. Which song does each member sing or cover? That would have been pretty cool. Well, Paul Stanley is going to sing All Right Now, basically because it's hotter than hell. Uh, Gene is going to sing... Gene is going to sing "Why She Went Upon a Star," and then that's that's, that's going to be his. <laughs> Since he already had it recorded and everything, uh, Ace is going to do some ACDC song, and then Peter is going to do uh, "Tossing and Turning." <laughs> uh, I would say Gene would do "Bitch" by the Rolling Stones because that's Ooh, what's good choice. That's, good choice. That'd that's be what, super that's what, cool. That's what turned into Deuce. Uh, Paul would do a Zeppelin song, maybe "Communication Breakdown." That'd be awesome. Uh, Ace would do Foxy Lady from Hendrix. Yeah. And then Peter <laughs> Peter would do Sing, Sing, Sing by Gene Krupa. <laughs> or something by Barbara Streisand. Oh, God. That's cool. I like that. That's a good question. That'd be awesome if they'd have done something like that. Uh, Jacob Erickson said, I would really like, I would really want you guys to do a review of The Vault. That would take a long time. There's yeah, a lot of music to, on that thing. Go there's so to many, the, there, yeah, there's so many other ones out there, too. Yeah, Sonny Pooney did a great one on decibelgeek.com that you can read. It's the whole thing. And then also, uh, if you want a video version, uh, Ralph Vieira, Dr. Fuck, does um, a whole thing on YouTube, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I just... Yeah, I always love that write-up Sonny Pooney did on the vault. That was on time at the time and gave so much good information. And that's something even those articles... Those, those articles that he wrote, that's still something I go back to once in a while when I listen to The Vault and because uh, I had somebody awesome send it to me. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, something cool to go back and revisit. And there is some really cool stuff in The Vault, too. So, yeah, even yeah, stuff that's worthy it. to put on your iPod. Yep. Uh, Victor Ruiz, he was just our guest on the quarantine sessions a few weeks ago. He says, should Kiss do a documentary a la the Foo Fighters back and forth, warts and all, featuring members of the band, current and past, producers, etc., dishing both positive and negative on the band? I say, hell yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and have yes. me do it. I was just going to say, yeah, and have Andrew Andrew direct the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> no, I th- I've been wanting, and you know, another documentary that I wish they would take as a blueprint is the Eagles documentary. Cause it's, yeah, that was a good one. It, it gets all perspectives of all the members, and they lay it all on the line. I think that's what that's what we need, but it's just that is like it's never, never going to happen. happen. Paul and Gene would never give those guys complete say to say whatever the hell they wanted to say. And then those guys come in, and even if you say, you know what, Ace, Peter, say whatever you want to say, that's just asking for trouble anyway. So bad well, idea, let me- but it'd be cool to watch. Let me ask Andrew something, because this is a tangent, but uh, you're familiar with the Alan Parker, you wanted the best, you got the best documentary that got shelved, right? Correct. So I even talked to Alan myself, and he was he said that it got shelved because they couldn't get a distributor that would pay what the guys wanted in the band. Is that really the case, or do you know any more about that documentary? No, that is correct. They licensed a boatload of footage, and... All these guys, this is what they do for a living. You know, Alan's got a great Beatles movie that came out, and uh, he's got other movies in the works. But um, he, when you do something like that, you're not going to put your own money on the line. So they needed to 
X amount of dollars to license some of the footage and, and get it off the ground, and no one wanted to pay up. So it's oh. it's in a safe right now. That's a damn shame. Mammy, <laughs> hopefully someday we get to see this stuff. Yeah. Agreed. All right, this is one I really, really like a lot. Jody Have Not asks, or he says, pick a song for each guy to sing that he didn't originally. You know, like Peter singing Parasite or whatever, Gene doing Hooligan, etc. I really like the idea of Gene singing Hooligan. I think that could be a Gene Simmons song. Hmm. But that's a good one. Um, I like to hear, man... On the uh, the origin CD, Ace singing Cold Gin, I think is just killer. Yeah. Um, I think another one Ace would do that would be pretty cool would be uh, Come On and Love Me. He wouldn't be able to sing it the same way as Paul, but I think it would be cool to hear him sing that song. I'd like to hear Ace do Strange Ways. I think he could do that one. Yeah, um, Ace could do Strange Ways. I want to hear Paul do Not for the Innocent. Oh, that oh, would the be whole cool. song. The whole song, yeah. Yeah, that demo where they trade off is really cool. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really the way cool. they should have released it. Uh, Gene Simmons doing I Was Made for Loving You. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Or, or Gene doing Shandy. That would be funny. That's not so far-fetched for the times when that was yes. when that came out. That could have been a Gene song if you're talking about Unmasked. Yeah. I always thought "Down on Down on Your Knees" sounded like a Gene song more than a Paul song. Yeah. All right. What we got next? I like that. That's a really good question. I could think on that probably for a while. That could be a whole. That could be a whole episode right there. Switching around the Kiss songs. Uh, why haven't they released the next Kissology set? This is the perfect time. Well. Uh, oh, one thing. I, this reminds me. I wanted to like tip my hat to Andrew. I'm sure he didn't intend on it being this way, but releasing this thing right now, thank you because it gives us something to distract us from the ridiculousness that's going on right now. By design. By design. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I is- don't know. I don't know why they haven't released it yet. Well, VH1 Classic owns the name uh, Kissology, and they were only. It was only um, the contract was only for three volumes at the time, so there was. Again, there was a ton of money that was needed to do it for, um, you know, to do another volume. And I guess nobody wanted to do that. Mm. So you don't think there will ever be another Kissology? If there is something like that, it's going to be called something else. Ah, Yeah. I know Gene Gene keeps saying in interviews that it's done and it's ready to come out, but it never comes out. No, it's it's been almost 20 years since the last one. 2007. It's crazy. 13, 13, well, thir- excuse me. It's been almost 15 years. It's been 13 years since the thing came out. Wow. There's not going to be another one. Well, there's not. I mean, there's not really a market for DVDs anyway. There is not. True. There isn't. Yeah. yeah. Patrick Lucado wants to know, did doing Phantom help or hurt Paul's voice? I've heard folks say both. I'm not an expert in, in vocals, so I couldn't really tell you on that. I don't. Same. I, I don't really know. I mean, I, it. It's all speculation at this point. I mean, who knows what exactly happened with Paul's voice or why, but I can't really say one way or the other. I mean, he could have been maybe putting too much strain on it. I don't know, but as long as the guy's been singing, I don't know how that particular thing would have affected it, but maybe it did. Mm-hmm. Is his performance is that? Is that on YouTube? I think uh, so. Yeah, there's one. There's one, I think, that is. 
So I've never seen it. How hard did he have to sing to do that? Well, I mean, it, it really wasn't. I mean, because you heard there was a definite, a definite, uh, you know, his voice definitely changed on the the first farewell tour, and he was singing a lot more with a lot more vibrato. Uh, I don't think it hurt his voice. I just think he learned to sing a different way. I mean, yeah. what I mean, what damaged his voice is on the Alive World, the Alive Thirty Five tour in two thousand eight, came down with bronchitis and then just sang through it when he was told not to. That's what that's what ruined his voice. Mm. Wow. Did he? Well, do you know if he wound up actually getting like nodule surgery? Two different surgeries, and it didn't work. Well, he, there wasn't enough rest time after each yeah. surgery, and you know the damage has been done. Yeah, I guess at that point you can't reel it back in after that. Yeah, Paul Stanley trying to fight it, you know, trying to battle through it. That's actually kind of cool. You can hear it, like you can hear those first couple of shows because they were doing the entire Alive album, and then they stopped doing the entire Alive album to give him a break. And uh, you could tell, I mean, that guy got sick on that tour. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I took my kid to see them on that tour, and I got the. It wasn't instant live, but whatever it was, you get the USB wristband when it's over with, and mm-hmm. and we listen. Like at the show, we're listening, and like it sounds great, had a great time, and then I. I started playing the songs, and when it got to Strutter, I was like, what is going on here? I was like, something, like his voice was broken. And uh, But I've even, some of those Instant Lives from 2004, he, you could start seeing a little bit. I mean, obviously, age, and when you, yeah. sing, the way, when you sing the way Paul Stanley does, right. it's going to have an effect. For that many years, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. a natural thing. Yeah. It happens to everybody. Roger Daltrey, a bunch of, a bunch of Axl Rose. I mean, it happens to a lot of them. Yeah, it was real raspy in 2004. You heard the decline, but uh, there was a, a, a huge drop-off after 2008. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's just one of them things. How many 50-year-old former football players will tell you that they can run as fast as they could when they were 20? None. Mm. You know? Yeah. It's age. It gets everyone. Yeah. All right. Grayson's got another good question. What is your favorite piece of KISS merch, and what piece of merch do you think they should make? I think we covered that last time. There is nothing that hasn't had Kiss's name on it, I guess, except for actual cold gin. Well, mine is my tour book collection, and I really want them to make a coffee table book with reprints of all the tour books. Oh, that would oh, be that, cool. That'd be really that's cool. That's a great idea. Yeah, you bought that stand, and I was like, damn, I'm tempted to buy that stand and now start collecting tour books. But like I said, I've got a few. But yeah, that would be cool because the tour books are always really fun to look at. Yep. That'd yeah, be awesome. My I favorite. Have all in one one compendium or whatever they call it. Um, yeah. But the the piece of merch I wish they would make is music. <laughs> yeah, I guess that goes hand in hand. My favorite piece of Kiss merch are all my albums, my CDs, the music, the stuff I like to listen to. I I, I could live without everything else, but the music is what I want. Although there are a million cool things that Kiss has put their names on. Hey, here's one from Matt Porter. It's a question he wants to know. Does anyone go on more podcasts to promote than Andrew? Uh, that that would be no. <laughs> and that is correct. The answer is no. <laughs> Baco wants to know, would Kiss have gotten into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame sooner if the farewell tour was the end? Um, no, because of the Illuminati. We explained all this a couple of weeks ago. Oh, God. Um <laughs> I don't think they get in at all if the farewell tour was the end because yeah. I think that it just it had to take that amount of time for them to finally and honestly the farewell tour was the original four which means the reunion card had been played 
and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame could do nothing about it. I think I and I, this is maybe a conspiracy theory. I don't think they go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because I, I think the I think the Hall of Fame people were thinking we can get these four guys to reunite by inducting them, and it yeah. blew up in their face when Paul and Gene refused to do it. And I, but I think if the if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame knew that Paul and Gene would refuse to have Ace and Peter involved, I don't think they get inducted. That's my theory. I agree. Wow. They, they they viewed it as a way to sell tickets. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Here's a crazy one. Chad Pollock, it's a one of those Deadpools. Who dies first? Gene, Paul, Ace, or Peter? And who lives the longest? Oh God. I don't even want to think about that. I don't want, I don't to, want to think about, about it, either. but Ace definitely lives the longest somehow. Yeah, I had the same answer. Oh yeah, yeah, somehow. Ace totally lives the longest. Just so he can laugh at all three of them as they're dead. Well, um, as as the whole planet yeah. burns, you know, fifty years in the future from now, he's the only one here, last man standing. I, I'm not going to predict who dies first. That's just bad juju. I agree. I yeah, agree. that's pretty morbid, Chad. But it's a pretty interesting question. Kevin Williams wants to know. I want to hear Chris's story behind his Kiss scrapbooks, and which clippings or photos were his ultimate score at the time. I have a similar book and still remember finding some true gems before the interwebs in magazines back in the 80s when Kiss were not considered as cool as other bands of the time. Finding any rare photos of the band with Carr and Vincent in makeup was rare. You do have some pretty awesome scrapbooks. Uh, yeah, I need to actually do digitize another one of the four volumes, but I did that the other day. But I'll keep this short because this is like the equivalent of looking at somebody's Florida pictures on a slideshow. Uh-huh. Um, I just I did it because there was no internet at the time, and it was one of those things where anything you could get related to Kiss, you wanted to keep and be able to look at over and over again. So, you know, if they got a mention in a newspaper or in a magazine, I would buy those magazines. I spent so much of my parents' money on this stuff; it was ridiculous. But um, you know, a lot of a lot of scotch tape in the house and scissors, and I would just basically it's not really scrapbooks; it's more photo albums. And I would paste all the stuff in, and I just did it over basically starting in '88 and going through. I want to say I was I was into college, so about '96, '97 is basically the majority of what I have in my scrapbooks. But yeah, that's how I did it, and. It was. Uh, it's fun to look back at them, and I'm digitizing them now over time because it's rather than having to flip through them. And I like to share the stuff that I that I have. And some of those old magazine articles you can't really find anywhere on the internet, so it's kind of fun to share those with people. Those are cool. I had a scrapbook yeah. too when I was younger. You know, a Kiss scrapbook. Still have mine. Nice. Um, I had my aunt Pam had married a guy named Andre, and he in the attic of their their place where they lived had a big old stack of hit parader magazines from the 70s and i just kick myself now but i remember going through those magazines reading every single one of them and then cutting them apart and putting them in my scrapbook or cutting them apart and sticking photos into a trapper keeper and tearing the unicorn picture out and sticking in a picture of Ace Fraley or the inside of my locker or my bedroom and just destroyed these magazines. I wish I had that stack here now. We could be doing some of those magazine episodes all the time. But, yeah, those, that was awesome to collect that stuff. And then you'd have all your favorite Kiss things all in one place. All right, guys, we're, we're pretty much running out of time here, but we've got time for just a couple of more. I mean, there's some really good ones in here still, 
But we can always revisit these down the line, too. I mean, we're not getting out of quarantine anytime soon, it doesn't look like. But I wanted to wrap up with this one because this is a really good question. It comes to us from our awesome friend, Courtney Cronin-Dold. Which female singers do you think each of them, including all former members, would partner well with to sing a duet? And what would some cool dream cover duet songs like Cher doing After All with Gene instead of Peter Cetera or Leather and Lace with Peter and Brandy Carlisle, etc.? That is a fantastic question. That could be an episode into itself right there. But what do you guys think? Anything off the top of your head? Oh, man. Paul Stanley has to sing with Pat Benatar. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that I would like be that. freaking awesome. And Gene, aside, if he wasn't singing with Cher, I think Gene has to do something with Stevie Nicks. That would be um, pretty cool. Ace Ace is going to go a little more modern, and Ace is going to do something with Avril Lavigne. I don't know why he did that, but that was just the first name that, that came to my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking Debbie Peter, Harry myself for Ace. Peter's doing something with Shakira. <laughs> Peter's got that, Peter's got that, that, that jazz feel. Um, Vinnie Vincent is going to work with, um, man, who is Vinnie Vincent going to work with? <laughs> nobody. Vincent, nobody yeah, for Vincent, long. Vinnie Vincent is going to work with nobody. And Bruce and Eric Singer are going to be in a band with Doro Pesh. Oh, yeah. I like that. I'd buy that. Uh, hell yeah. That'd be awesome. I'd buy that for a dollar. Shit, yeah. Yeah, I was I'd, thinking uh, Ace with Debbie Harry would be a good fit, like a good rocking tune with him and her singing something together. I'd like to yeah. see Ace. I'd see Ace do a song with Joan Jett. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Didn't they do a song together? Maybe not a duet, but they, I think, played on a song together. I don't know. I just remember the story in one of those tabloidish books about Ace meeting Joan Jett and Joan Jett basically telling him off and calling him an asshole because he was probably <laughs> completely wasted at the time. Probably because that's uh, that's odds. You know, I know Lita Ford's done stuff with Ace, but I'd like to see Paul and Lita Ford do a song together. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really that'd be cool. cool. That's a pretty awesome question, Courtney. I, that's one to make you think. I'm going to be, every time I hear a good song with a girl singing now, I'm going to be thinking, which member of Kiss should be singing that with her? We're all screwed. But this has been a lot of fun today. We covered a lot of Kiss stuff, a lot of Kiss questions. And, you know, like I said, there's a few left over. Maybe we can pull them over to next week and add them to the questions that you guys give us for the, uh, can you believe it, 10th volume of the quarantine sessions. Andrew, man, your movie is awesome, just like it always is. Every time you release something, it's just amazing. And I'm, I'm proud of you for taking the time to do it and do it so well that hopefully Kiss sees it and says, man, there's a place for this guy in the company i hope so that's that's definitely the that's definitely the goal that was definitely the thing behind this and giving this such a good push and uh we can hope you guys out there can help this dream come true you know send it to anybody you know that works for kiss or around kiss or tag kiss send it to kiss online i've done it and maybe if you guys if you guys do it enough times they'll actually listen and uh hopefully i can produce something cool like this that you guys can enjoy. Yeah, you know, yeah. and not only just that, just share it with your friends that are KISS fans. You know, let the word get exactly. out, you know, organically like that. Spread it around because it's something that anybody that's been a KISS fan, whether it's been for a long time or a year or less, you know, everybody's got something that they're going to dig in this. So share it with all your KISS-loving fans and yeah. friends. And watch it for free, share it with your friends, and do not burn copies and sell them to people like an asshole that we all know. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is happening right now. Yeah, I know. Doesn't that happen every time? <laughs> it, it does. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Some people have to ruin the party for everybody else. Some yeah, places yeah. in the world have DVD players, but they don't have internets. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, thanks for taking the time to do this, and uh, we're going to help spread the word. And uh, and thank appreciate you your so time. M- thank you so much for having me, and uh, this was really fun. Mm-hmm.